a lot of us are starting to come back to something that seems like normal. We've been able to stay connected to business, but have we stayed connected to happiness? And if not, how do we get there? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. 2020 and 2021 have been challenging for almost everybody on the planet. We've each taken on that challenge in our own way, but for a lot of us, happy is not a word that we would necessarily use to describe the last year and a half or so. We might use a lot of other words, some of which are not polite to say on a podcast. And in fact, some of us have used those words, myself included. The question is, how are we going to find happiness? How are we going to reconnect with happiness as we start coming out of this year and a half or, or however long it ends up being journey? And so we asked Sylvia Garcia, who's the founder and CEO of Feel Logic and Happiest Places to Work and former director of Happiness Institute for Coca-Cola to join us to talk about that very subject. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you so much, David. I'm very happy to be with you and your audience here. Thank you. We always try to level set at the beginning of the podcast. Is there a way to define happiness? And it's a great question, David. And there's no a single definition for happiness. The ingredients to a well-lived life and a satisfaction at work are known. But how we combine each of those, those ingredients to make our own special recipe is different for everybody. Though there's something in common, which is despite anything that happens, that sense and feeling that a possible future that is better than today is possible and that each of us can do something to get there. So that sense of being in control or empowered to do something and to imagine that the future can be better and have hope for that are the two common things of people who will recover the level of happiness, even increase it after what is happening right now. So let's talk about that empowered word, because I think that's very, very important. In the last year and a half, as we record this, we have all been disempowered in various ways. We've had to quarantine. We've had to wear masks. You're speaking to us from France, and I don't know if it's different there, but in the United States, we don't like people telling us what to do. We like to figure out what to do as individuals. And so it's been a, a challenge to find that. Is the natural course of a human being, once these restrictions start coming off and we get back to whatever passes for a normal life, is the normal state of a human being to go find that empowerment and translate it into happiness? Absolutely, David. And, um, you know, as you say, we've all noticed it. Nobody likes to be said what to do. And we've had 
to, for a greater good, we have all to reduce our freedom and uh, take measurements of confinement or you know, different if you're in different places, but kind of uh, give away some of our freedom and, and autonomy for a better, you know, greater good than, uh, than each of us. And we will strive. You can see that people have somehow taken ways of expressing their autonomy, control through creativity. There's been a lot of videos of people creating music, a lot of humor around. That's a way to canalize the, the creativity, the need to be autonomous and do something on your own that you control when you cannot do it or express it in your normal life. So you've, we've seen an, an explosion and a, a growth of a lot of you know, videos and things that people posted that they were not doing before this time. So definitely, and that's something that will always, you know, be there. We always strive to be autonomous and in control, whether it's in our life or at work. So is there actually neuroscience behind this process, or is this just observational science? Well, the, the science of happiness is a melting pot of many sciences. So there's neuroscience telling us that before any decision really lies Emotions, what we feel as human beings, we are driven by our emotions, then we control them, we reflect over them, but many are not, we're not aware of them, and they are powerful drivers of our decisions. So there's neuroscience, there's also a lot of research done by positive psychologists that took the, the methodology to do research as other sciences do, to see effects before and after people increase happiness. And there's also behavioral scientists and economics who joined to see well, what would happiness do in the workplace. So with all that, that's you know, what we call today the science of happiness or can also be the science of positive leadership or thriving at the workplace or know, many different ways, high-performing cultures, many different ways to call it, is using all that we know from neuroscience, positive psychology, behavioral neuroscience, to make us be better, be more satisfied, and also bring better results to our work, our lives, and to the companies we work for. So is it all observational, or are there empirical measurements or objective measurements that, that you can use? There are you know, different ways. There are methods to see how happiness looks like. I mean, and happiness is not a cell or a place in the in the brain that is only there. As you know, researchers in the brain will tell, the brain works very connected. So we we will see paths and and areas connected that are mostly related to happiness, when we feel, you know, completed, autonomous, those are areas that are engaged. But at the workplace, to make it simple, what we use to measure happiness is an, is an index that has been validated and constructed, built by all these scientists to assess and grab those those things we cannot really, we're not aware of them, but are the drivers of satisfaction and happiness. So it's a very short index, 21 questions that we can use to assess workplaces and tell them how their culture is helping build resilience, well-being, mental health and happiness in employees or how can they improve that. 
Now, I said in the open that you were once working with Coke and at their institute. Is this something that's only for large companies? Because most of our listeners are either small agencies or solo practitioners. We do have some larger agencies and some larger companies. But is this something that's applicable no matter the size of your company? Absolutely. And there's enormous demand and interest in small firms where usually people are very aware of how much they depend on their employees, how much these firms, small firms are all about or everybody doing a lot of things and working like a team, while in bigger companies it's, it's less obvious. So a lot of small companies are very interested in this, and I've helped small businesses. I, I try always to adapt my my proposals to to the needs of the different clients. So I've, I've worked with big companies and Coca Cola, but also with small ones and. Definitely, they understand, they get it even more and quicker than, than big companies. So, yeah, this is for everybody because the ingredients are not different whether this is a big or a small company. The ingredients of happiness and happiness at work are the same. Is it a different challenge when we're not all together in the workplace as we are now and we're all working remote? And how do you overcome that? Well, there's, I would say that what we are all experiencing right now is kind of tightness that is not only because of working you know, separated and, and uh, with distance, but it's also because of uh, everything that is happiness is, is taking a toll. We are tired, we are stressed, a lot of bad news, and that takes a toll in our general energy. So we are already starting to work tired and stressed, and then adding that working remotely, you need to keep your attention much more focused all the time, uh, like the Zoom and, and video conferences. That is also adding more tightness. And then we are social creatures. We are social human beings. So we really need to be part of a group. And there's not also, you know, when you go to work, you have moments where you talked about little things with others, you relate to others, and those moments are precious. They count towards happiness. They, they seem not very important when we leave, you know, when we go through them, but when we lack them, we realize that there's something missing, that just connecting to have a, a conference, a business conference, and saying goodbye leaves you more depleted of energy than when you encounter people, they tell you about how they're doing, where they're going, their family, little chat, no, not, not very important, but that creates a certain connection that we are a little bit lacking. Although we have to say that human beings are super resilient and we've always been very creative to find ways to go through the challenges. So yes, it's more difficult to work when we're not together, but people are finding ways to recreate those connections and people are reconnected to all their friends, all their colleagues. They are reaching out to more time to family and friends to talk more deeply, even you know, remotely. So yes, there are challenges, but we have to trust to ourselves that we are very resilient and creative. And many people are doing incredible things to keep connected to others. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. 
As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. If you're an employer, how can you facilitate that? I mean, what, what kinds of things can you do, especially in this disconnected environment? And I suspect that once we're able to all be back in the office, a lot of us won't be back in the office, or we may be back in the office momentarily because we'll have to see how this changes it. So today, as an employer, what can I do to facilitate happiness among my employees you know, great question. And, and by the way, just um, you know, in November, the SEC organization in the United States approved a norm saying that companies should disclose what they are doing to increase employees' happiness, well-being, mental health, etc. This is so important to get them the results. So it's, it's good in you know, many different ways. And what people can do, if you're in a company, a small company, what you can do First, if you can measure happiness and its ingredients, it will give you the keys to know what to do exactly, you know, which is the ingredient that will move the needle more in your company. If you cannot measure, you're not measuring at, at the moment, still there are things you can do. So there are eight ingredients of happiness at work. I, I won't have the time to go very deeply in that, but through David, we can share with you a slide, a poster with all the eight ingredients, so you remind them if, if you want to. But very quickly, vary each of the ingredients. We get used to anything even the good things. So in small companies and or in big companies, whatever you do for employees, you need to vary. It's like a relationship. You cannot always do the same thing the same day at the same time because then you, you won't create the surprise. So you need also to change and create the surprise. But a healthy, thriving, you know, very you know, high-performing culture will use these eight ingredients, which is first try to you know, promote healthy, you know, engagement, which is mental well-being, physical well-being, balance, so give people the time and the right to rest and to disconnect and recover. That's very important. Give them autonomy and control. What we, you know, with David, we were talking about this at the beginning of the podcast. Very important that people feel that they can do their job their own way, using their, their personal skills, their, you know, their, their attitude. If you look at Southwest Airlines, for example, they are an extreme example of letting people use who they really are to give you the instructions when in the airplane. Each of them use you know, their own personal skills and they make jokes, others make um, you know, poetry, whatever, but they deliver, the job is to deliver the instructions at their moment. So the job is not changing, but the way people feel autonomous using their own skills might be very empowering. So that's the second. Uh, if you can find a purpose that makes everybody behind something bigger, that's fantastic. If you're not in a company that is easy to find out a 
you know, good purpose for it, you don't feel it or you don't know how to, at least making people, letting people use their own skills is proven to f make people feel more purpose. So at least giving this autonomy to people will make them feel more purpose. Then also try to bring some pleasure and value. So little surprises, like the little things that can, like the coffee, bring them something for the coffee as a surprise to a meeting. Another time, make people, tell people to go back home earlier. Create some kind of surprises to bring pleasure and surprises from time to time. It's like any relationship. We like surprises, so sometimes do that. Then also play a lot with recognition. Part of us needed to be in a group is because we need to feel valued. So play on the recognition and do not only recognize the outcome, the, you know, when things go right and you achieve it, that's great to recognize. But people need to be recognized in the path towards them, the attitudes, their honesty, their ethics. There are also things that you can value before you get to the results. So you also value that journey and that will be important and help you get the results to the results earlier and better. And then we have the experiences that work, so make, make it simp as simple as you can for people to work, give them what they need, take away things that make work more complex and try to build social support so that people connect with each other, they, that they know each other, that they trust each other, that they, they feel they work in a place where it is safe to speak up and to tell, you know, say where things were, were wrong or where things are good, that they can share that in a safe space, that they feel the social support around them. And finally, let them or help them grow. We all need to grow. Uh, we need challenges to grow. So it's not making things easy. We need big goals, motivating goals, and goals need to be challenging, but help people to grow through the challenges. Those will be the eight things that companies can do. There are a lot of examples of companies doing great things in each of these components. So that's part of the things that I, I try to share with all the companies I, I help and measure them if you can. And it's not coincidental that those it, those all spell out a mnemonic that is happiest. Yes. <laughs> and we'll we'll exactly. share that in the show notes. We'll share a, a document in the show notes so that you can all you can all have that. We've only got a few minutes left. Has technology made it more difficult to be happy or has it enabled happiness or both? Very good question. I think it's both. It depends as anything. It depends on how you use it. So if you use technology to distract yourself all the time, we know that being concentrated on what you do, even if what you do is not pleasant or you don't like it, brings you more happiness and satisfaction, although you would not say it, than being distracted and interrupting, you know, very often what you do. So depends on how you do it. If you inter use it to distract yourself very much, not. But thanks to technology, we are connecting. We are being able to expand businesses very, you know, quicker than before to reach out to the people that matters to you and keep connected. So there are enormous a lot of great things thanks to technology I, I think I, I wouldn't change it if I was able to you know I was asked would you prefer to keep it or, or kill it I would keep it definitely 
Well, it, it's certainly good to know that as we come out of the darkness here over time, that our normal mode is to seek happiness and that for a lot of us, we won't have to do a lot. In point of fact, we may have a lot of it happen. We'll be able to get back together with loved ones and party and go to movies and sporting events and all of that kind of stuff. And those are the things that make us happy. Where do you see the next six months or eight months or a year happening? And we'll wrap up with that question. Well, well, I, I think as you say, I'm very, you know, I'm optimistic in the sense that I've seen us coming together for a vaccine. I've seen us being responsible for most people. We always see on the news, you know, things that go wrong, but most people have been very responsible and we've done a global effort to control what's happening. So I'm optimistic that thanks to what we did, thanks to the vaccine, we're going to go back to a place where we can all you know, travel again, see each other again, be safe again. I don't think we will want or we will go back exactly to the same life and the same things that we were doing before because we were not that happy before. You know, I was measuring happiness before this happened and we were not at the best place. So I hope that we are also learning that there are things that we want to do different. I think people have been able to value more relationships and connect to their you know, the people they care for more deeply. And I think that will continue. We'll continue to do that. And we will value and appreciate more the things we lost. And I think, I hope that lasts. <laughs> That's a great place to end our conversation today. Sylvia Garcia, founder and CEO of Feel Logic and Happiest Places to Work. Sylvia, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. Thank you so much, David, for this opportunity to share with you and your audience you know, these things about happiness and your, your nice questions. Thanks so much. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.